Praise the Lord. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this evening? Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We're glad that you're here tonight, and we appreciate the Lord, and appreciate the privilege that we have to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And, and man, isn't God good? All the time, man. I'm telling you, he's a, he's a good God. And, and uh, has everybody had a good Wednesday, or has it been mediocre, or has it just been one of those blah days, or has it just been a good day? It's been a good day. Every day serving the Lord's a good day, ain't it? I'll tell you a little story. It'd be a good story, too. <laughs> I kind of think you might like it. Then again, you may not. Anyways, there's this lady. She lived in this city. And she uh, walked to work every day. You know, folks that live in the big city, they like walking to work. They like doing things like that. And she had walked to work every day, and she always enjoyed walking by different shops and stuff. And this one particular she always liked to walk by, and it was a pet shop. Well, this particular day that she was out there, she decided she'd walk by, and they had a bunch of cages, and they had a lot of the little animals outside there on display, and I guess hoping that somebody would buy them. Well, there was this one parrot there, and this lady walked by that parrot, and that parrot <clears throat> looked at that lady and said, Hey, lady. She turned around and said, What? He said, You're ugly. And uh, so she went on to work. Next day, she went by. Wouldn't you know it, that parrot's right out there. That parrot, the parrot looked at her, and she, did, she thought, well, maybe he ain't going to say nothing today. So she walked by, and he said, hey, lady. He, she said, what? He said, you're ugly. <laughs> she was mad, so she went there and told the owner. She said, listen, I've come by here twice, and that parrot said, every time I come by there, he tells me I'm ugly, and I don't preach Man, we'll take care of it. Tomorrow, it'll be different. You know, maybe he'll be sold. If not, but we'll, we'll make sure that he don't do that. Well, third day come, and here she come. Man, she's walking to work, man, all joyful and, you know, full of glory and all that good stuff. Well, that parrot was out there, and she looked at that parrot and smiled, and that parrot looked at her and smiled, and man, walked, and all of a sudden, that parrot said, hey, lady. She said, what? He said, you're ugly. <laughs> man, she got mad, and she went in that, that, in that pet store and Throwed her purse up on the counter, pulled out her checkbook, and said, I want to buy that parrot. Oh, you do? How come? And she said, I'm going to take it home and kill it. <laughs> oh, no, man, we can't do that. We can't do that whatsoever. Said, these are uh, very ecstatic kind of animals. We don't do that to these animals. She said, well, I'm tired of it. And he said, ma'am, it will not happen again. I promise you it won't happen this time. All right, so the fourth day come along, and all of a sudden, man, there she going to work, and she's kind of dreading it today. She's not full of glory. You know, she's kind of like, really, I just hate to do this. But anyway, she walks by there, and she looks at, kind of looks at that parrot through the side of her face, and he kind of looks at her, and she gets about 10 steps from him. She says, oh, hallelujah. And well, all of a sudden, that parrot said, hey, lady. She turned around. She said, what? He said, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Now, you ladies are all beautiful. That parrot just lied. <laughs> if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Habakkuk chapter 1. <clears throat> we are glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight, and God is truly good. And I'm just glad I'm born again, blood-bought, and saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm just glad I'm on my way to heaven tonight. I'm a blessed person tonight, knowing that I know him tonight. Bear with me as I try to read. I've got glasses, but I still can't see. The burden which the prophet, verse 1, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, 
Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you not hear? Even cry out to you and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contentions arising. Therefore, the law is powerless and the justice never goes forth. For the wicked surroundeth the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will, will work a work in your day, which you would not believe, though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and a hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. There are terrible and dreadful. There are judgments. There are dignity proceeds from themselves. There are horses also swivers than leopards and more fierce than even wolves. They charge and charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagles that hasten to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captive like sand. They scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold. They heap upon earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes and his transgressors. He commits offense and ascribing the power to his God. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's alive. We just pray, Lord, that you touch our hearts as we come here on this Wednesday night for prayer. We come praying, believing, and receiving that you've got something in store for us. Not only that, but we come to pray and believing that you're going to move mightily in our midst, God. Not just today, not just this evening, but not tomorrow, but in the days that come as well, that the hand of the Lord is going to do great things in this place. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. That's some pretty heavy stuff there. And if you go on and read it, and if you read some of it and just what I read, boy, there's a lot of it that can really relate in some things today and the things that's happening in our society you remember from the comic strip, Peanut, we read about Miss Lucy, who seems at times to intimidate Charlie a bit. Ever the intellectual, Lucy says that life is like a deck on a chair on a cruise ship, in that one can see where it has been, where it is going, and where it is now. Charlie, he just mutters and says, I can't even get mine to unfold. Habakkuk struggled with meanings as well. He asked the tough questions regarding the plans and the experiencing what was truly uh, God's love. The time is about 607 B.C. Jerusalem had turned from God. King Jeho Jehoiakim was dishonest ruler and a puppet of the feared Nebuchadnezzar. Tur turmoil and fatigue characterized the people. Habakkuk had the delightful job in predescending the coming 70 years of captivity. The book begins with a sob and ends with a song. In our lives, when heaven sometimes becomes silent, and I was thinking as I was 
preparing the message, and there's a lot of different ways you can go with this message, but I chose to go tonight sometimes when it just seems like heaven is silent. Have you ever been to a place in your life that it just seems like that you never hear from God? Have you ever went through situations at times? And we, we, we sometimes, if we're not careful, we, we think that we don't hear from God for different reasons. Sometimes if we go through a sickness or something and we're praying about it and it never changes, we think, well, well, maybe sometimes I've done something wrong, God, and maybe you're punishing me. Well, let me make this clear. God don't punish us that way. God don't do those things. He's a merciful God. He's a forgiving God. But there's times in life when heaven seems so silent. We may be afflicted with a bad case of heartache. A lot of things could go wrong in life. Notice the ear silence of the Lord. Habakkuk cried out to the Lord, but assumed that he would not hear. Have you ever been to a place where you cried and you've cried and you've come to a place in God that you just cried out and, and it was silent for a long time? And then if you're not careful, you get to a place where you feel like I'm still crying, but I know he's not really going to hear me. I'm still praying, but I don't think he's really listening to me. The Lord, we sometimes assume that he just won't hear. The silence was painful. Verse 2, the violence was seemingly ignored by God. And, and the king, Jehovah king, had forced the people into exclusive labor. And they paid heavy taxes and this, just to support his, his lifestyle, basically, is what they was doing. And all of a sudden you find that that we're in a place and that we're in a time and we're in an area and as, as Habakkuk was there, but it maybe it's a different scenario than what we're facing tonight, but there's, there's things and there's dilemmas that goes on in our lives and we wonder where God's at. If you serve God any length of time, you're going to go through seasons where you just don't feel his presence. You're going to go through seasons where you just don't know where he's at. And you're just going to go through times where you're wondering, God, do you still really love me? I've been saved forever. And there's times I go through things and I think, Lord, where are you at? I'm glad that I learned a long time ago that the just shall live by faith and not by what I feel. Because if I'd always went by what I feel, I'd have fell a long time ago. But I'm thankful that God goes beyond all of our feelings and our expectations of what we think we should feel and what we think we ought to know. And he says, there's just times I'm going to be silent. Maybe I'm doing something different in your life. Maybe I'm taking you to a new place. Or maybe you just got to go through this to get to another level in me. There's always questions that we wonder and we ponder, where's God at in certain situations? I remember as a young man, I, my first church that I pastored, I was 27 years old, and I pastored it for eight years, or seven years. And no matter what I did there, I prayed, I preached, and, and nobody, let me tell you, the church was just a, an old church. The, the church was so old, the building that it was in used to be a one-room schoolroom class years and years prior. That shows you how old the building was. 
It had a wall on the right side that it felt like if you just leaned on it, it would fall in. Pastor after pastor never fixed it. They just, I had like 11 pastors come in about 10 years of that church. And I remember as I was there and uh, they, I, I prayed and I said, Lord, this church has been nothing but just heartache for this little group of people, 20 and 30 people. I said, they've had pastor after pastor to come in there. And I said, you know, what good could come out of this place? And I remember as I was praying and I remember as the Lord spoke to me just as plain as day. And he said, they said, what good could come out of Nazareth? And for me, that was a God moment that I felt like God spoke to my heart. Now, I stayed there, and if I got the church up to 40, we was shouting. And we went for several years without a piano player. And I prayed, and I remember praying. I said, listen, God, I don't know if Brother Miller's done this, but I'm sure that probably has if you asked him. I said, Lord, everything rises. I was a big John Maxwell guy. And I read all his books, and I still got bukus of John Maxwell's books. How to Develop the Leader Within You. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And I prayed, and I said, God, I said, listen. I said, these people are looking for the, me to have the answer why we don't have a piano player. I said, I've been here a long time, God, and we still don't have one. Oh, he was merciful. He sent one in every now and then. And... Uh, and I prayed and I thought, man, Lord, you're just not hearing me on this subject. And there come a time that God spoke to me. He says, it's on its way. And I didn't quite understand that. But he said, it's on its way. And about three weeks after that, I remember that I was talking to some people that come in the church. And, and uh, I remember as plain as day, I heard somebody up on the piano and kind of made sense and it was I turned around and looked and it was my 14 year old nephew James's son up there just first time he's ever touched piano in his life and, I, and the Lord looked at me right then and said that's the one well you know me I'm going to help God out I said listen Jeanette and James I'll pay to go get him piano lessons you know, because God spoke to me, he's the one. He went and done piano lessons for about a month, and he'd come to me and said, Uncle Mike, I just can't do that stuff. I don't understand what they're talking about when they do these, you know, they're trying to do notes. And he couldn't understand it, so I said, okay. Well, can I tell you, within two months, that boy could play any song that we sung on the platform. I mean, for some reason, God just gave him the ability and that talent and he just began to. But I went through a season of wondering where God was. I went through a time that I didn't know where he was. And then when I resigned the church, I felt good about resigning the church. I didn't know where God was going to lead me, but I resigned the church. And all of a sudden, after I resigned the church, I got deathly sick. And we moved to Festus, Missouri. And I went to my father and lord's church up there in Festus. And we started going there, and I was losing weight. Now I weighed 300 pounds mind you I don't weigh that today I'm just 10 pounds less <laughs> but I, I I weighed 300 pounds and within three months I was down to like 200 pounds went to the doctor they didn't know my nerves was going crazy man I was crying praying to God what's going on 
And my wife, one day we was in the bedroom and she said, if you do not get a hold of yourself, the devil's trying to destroy you. And that hit me like a brick wall. She said, don't you realize the devil's trying to do this to you? Because I went to church and I prayed every service. And if everybody would have thought they down here, I was down here praying, crying, boo-hooing, and everybody and their brother probably thought I was one of the most spiritual men in the world, but I was, I was one of the most down, devastated. Yeah, I was, I was uh, full of anxiety. I, was, I guess I was depressed. I mean, I don't know what I was. I just know that the heavens was as brass. I could pray, but it wouldn't go nowhere. I mean, Sunday morning, I'd hit the altar. Sunday night, I'd hit it. I mean, I did that for three months. I'd cry, break, boo-hoo, and I'd go back to my uh, seat, and I would lift my hands and sing songs with everybody else. And I'm telling you, I didn't feel nothing. The heavens was shut. And one day on a Sunday morning, the pastor preached, and I don't remember what he preached. I went down as I did before, and I prayed, God, you got to help me. And I'm telling you, that day when I got up from the altar, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the difference was, but I knew immediately when I stood up that the, the whole thing had changed. Three months later, I was back to 200 and, I mean, 300 pounds. No. <laughs> That's only two months later. No. But I don't know what happened, but it was a season that I went through. But I could tell you this. I prayed and I sought God that God would intervene upon my behalf. I didn't know what I was going through, but that day that my wife said, listen, if you don't get a hold of this, the enemy's out to destroy you. But I remember from that moment on, I hit the service of the altar every night and prayed, God, I need you to give me victory over this. And there come a day that God rolled back the windows of heaven. And there come a day that, that the, even though heaven would seem like it was silent, and all of a sudden, it seemed like I could hear God speak again. There was times that I could just pray. And I've always been the type of guy. God, for some reason, has always blessed me about just knowing when I pray that I know that God's there. Even when, even when I wasn't always in a perfect place, I always knew that if I prayed, and when I'd pray, even though I didn't feel right about some of the things in my life, I always sensed that God was there. But there was those times that when I would go through that dry season, whether sickness prevailed my body and things was going wrong with it. And see, the key to a lot of this, it doesn't mean that there has to be something wrong in your life when you're going through times when heaven seems shut up. Daniel prayed, and he prayed for 21 days straight. But God didn't, didn't answer his prayer the first day. But the angel Gabriel come to him. And I ain't had an angel come to me yet. But the angel said, thou art highly favored in heaven. And he said, we heard you pray the first day. And I truly believe for the church, you and I individually or corporately, I believe that we hear God hears us the first day. I don't think that God neglects us whatsoever. Just the season that I went through, I didn't feel like that God was neglecting me. I did at the time. I was trying to figure out, you know, man, I, I prayed and I asked God to forgive me for putting my pants leg on the wrong way or something. 
I wanted to make sure I didn't have no sin at all in my life. I mean, I, I went through all that thinking, man, maybe there's something wrong. It doesn't hurt to check ourselves at all. But when you've done all that you know to do, Jesus just said, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. And that, that come that time that I couldn't do nothing else. And the only thing I could do was just pray and trust God that God knew what he was doing, even though I didn't. Whether I had to fight the evil forces and whether I had to bombard heaven because the evil forces was trying to get me, I don't know. But I do know this. There come that day that God touched me. So I've been to where the, the, the waves around me has overwhelmingly, uh, David said, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when the, the waves seemingly started to compass about us, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, now Israel may say, they look back at a time that there was a time that he felt like that we would have went under, but it was, but if it had not been for God, that God took care of him. We may be afflicted, we may be scarred, and we may be going through things. But I, I want to tell you tonight, church, God hears your prayer. I, 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 I believe, I, I pray that, you know, you know, Lord, this church has been prophesied over. This church has been prayed over. This church has had people tell pastors, this is going to take place. That's going to take place. And I know as, a, as the man of God, they have to be times that they think, Lord, now we've heard this. And now, Lord, we don't want the people to be worried and well-doing. There's times that we, we get our minds thinking, now, Lord, I, I, I know that this is prophecy. And that they prophesied that this church is going to bust out at the seams. But it hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Doesn't mean that just because things ain't moved the way that we think they ought to move at this point. God knows what he's doing when we don't know. He's the builder. He's the one that, that put the stars into its place. He's the one that set the moon exactly right where it needs to be. He's the one that created man from the dust of the ground. So if he's done those things, he knows what he's doing tonight. And when we don't understand and we're trying to figure it out, we are on God's timing. And I'm telling you, we're here on the 21st century for a purpose. That I wasn't born in another time, another generation, another decade. I was born for such a time as this. That God brought us into this thing. And so as Habakkuk felt like everything around him. And, and, and didn't know what was happening. He was the bad deliverer guy. He knew the bad stuff that was happening. But, but can I tell you tonight, even though things around us don't look always so pretty, God's in charge. He's got our backs tonight. He knows exactly what he's doing when we don't. We may conclude sometimes that all hope is gone. Habakkuk reasoned that God had withdrawn his hand from the matter and was allowing evil to rule. But see, God had a plan. And I think about the society and the things that's happening in our world and the way it's living and the things that's happening today. <clears throat> I just look at it that God's got a plan. Doesn't matter if I like what's happening in our society. 
Doesn't matter if I don't like, don't like it. It doesn't matter if the evilness is wicked and it's getting more wicked and, and uh, things are happening more and more and more and wickedness and all this stuff. Doesn't matter how bad it is. God knows what he's doing tonight. See, there was a time in my life that I didn't make a mistake. I just had things going wrong in my life. But I still couldn't understand. God, I examined my life and I've examined it and I've examined it. But yet still things ain't going good. And all of a sudden, that Sunday when I prayed, I just got up and felt like a new man. Don't know why I went through it. And sometimes you might be out here in the audience and you might be going through something. You may not always understand why you're going through what you're going through. And, and, and <clears throat> one thing I know about pastors and teachers and leaders of the church, there's times that we, we can quote scripture and we can quote the word. But there's just sometimes some things are just out of our control. We don't always have the answer. Your teacher in Sunday school class may not always have that perfect answer. Sometimes when a loved one dies, you know, they come to a pastor for strength and uh, uh, hope and, and wanting the right answers. Sometimes there's no right answer. Sometimes you don't know what to say. So there's times that heaven seems silent. Now, I don't know if this was the best chapter for this, but this is what I really felt like giving you. Because sometimes we just, heaven's just shut and we don't know where God's at. And we pray and we pray and he's still not there. But there will come a day. There will come a time that God will roll back the windows of heaven. I've been on the side where I knew that I didn't do nothing wrong and trying to figure out where God was. And there was times I did things wrong. There's times I messed up. There's times I bloated. There's times that I was ashamed of myself. There was times. And now let me just share you this because I want to share this tonight. I feel it's okay now. I left, I left Festus and went to a church in Jeff City, Missouri. I loaded my wife and my three girls and we went to Jeff City. Was there eight years at a church that was a mission work for the Pentecostal Church of God. Wonderful little church. Again, they only had 10 people the Sunday that I went to try out. And I said, is this all we got? He said, yes, sir, this is all we got. The former pastor said, I've only got it up to 30, and that's it. And my superintendent said, I really feel strong that God wants you to take it. Well, you know how superintendents are sometimes. <laughs> they just need somebody to fill the platform. They just need somebody to fill the pulpit. I said, well, I don't feel it right now. But anyways, he said, well, just need, leave your name in the pot. You know, you can't, in the Pentecost Church of God, you can't vote nobody in if you got just 10 members. You got more than that. Well, long story short, he still gave them an opportunity to speak who they wanted in. 
And lo and behold, he called me on a Sunday night and said, they voted you in. And I had the phone and my wife heard it and she ran to the bathroom and started crying because she didn't want to go. I had a good job in Festus. I was going to a good church. And, but I said, well, okay. Well, long story short, let me just say this. I was there a long time, not a long time, but eight years. And we went from that little small congregation to running 250 regular in Sunday school and church Sunday morning. And man, I was living the dream. I had the white picket fence. I had the home. I had the family. I had the church. I had the people. I had God. I had everything that I had dreamed all my life. In one instance, I let it slip through my hand and lost it. Because I failed God. I had everything that I wanted, Brother Miller. Everything that a man could ever want in life. I mean, I was called to preach. I was, I was climbing up the ladder, if you want to call it that. I wasn't full of pride. I wasn't full of all that stuff. I didn't think I was better than any other preacher, but God was just opening doors and doing great things. But I let one person come into my life to destroy it. And I had to leave the church, lost my family, went and drove a truck over the road. I went from making $90,000 a year to making 30000 And just like that. Would not pray to God and definitely wouldn't kill myself. Wanted to, but I was, knew then I'd go to hell. So I was scared. I didn't want to do nothing like that. But I didn't care if that truck would have went off the road at times because I was miserable. I told my church I was sorry. Went back three months later and got with my family and told them I was sorry for what had happened and I was a man that was ate up inside had every opportunity to get my family back every opportunity to get them back but I wouldn't not because I didn't want to go back because I was so ate up with guilt I was just miserable man I was a pastor that church begged me to stay. They said, go on a six-month sabbatical. We'll pay you. We'll take care of you and your family. But I couldn't. By then, my mind was messed up. Heaven was really brass. I want to say this. In saying all this, I don't tell this story because I still am ashamed of myself. Only the pastor knows it. Very few other people does. Because I felt like I hurt the gospel that day. It took me years to get over that. And God would let me get over it the next day if I'd have done right. And prayed and asked him to forgive me. He wouldn't have just let me walk in the mud and the mire. 
he would have forgave me. But I remember I'd going down the road in that truck. Wouldn't talk to God because I was afraid a lightning bolt was going to come out of the heaven. See, I was taught you do anything like that, you're going to get smoked. Lightning's coming down. So I was looking for a lightning bolt any, any moment. <clears throat> and so I wouldn't pray. But I knew that God was in that truck at times, Brother Miller. I knew that God was there. But I wouldn't pray. Anyways, long story short is <clears throat> I hindered myself for years about doing anything for God because of my past. I let my past hinder me. And if heaven was shut, it was because I helped God shut the door. God was wanting to open up the heavens again and say, are they, are they, let me say this, are they um, consequences for your actions? Of course there is. Of course there is. Didn't mean God was going to slap me on the hand and say, forget it. I lost the thing that meant the most to me. And that was supposed to be my family. I lost the greatest, next greatest thing that was the most precious thing in my life. And that was my church. The thing that I dreamed of all my life. I worked at Brown's Shoe. My greatest preaching was cutting leather. I preached, I cut leather, I was preaching to thousands. I mean, I had some of the best sermons made up behind that shoe cutting machine. That's where my ministry all began to evolve and begin to take place. And in one incident, I bloated. And I'll say this, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Even though I'm okay today, still not the same. Still not the same. And never will be the same. There is a price that we pay for those things. But I'm glad that God is merciful and he's gracious to us tonight. I didn't say all that things to make you sad and oh, poor Brother Burton. Man, I'm telling you, I, I, I poured Brother Burton to death because I just thought how terrible I was. But I want to say this, that if you're here and you feel like the heavens are shut, just examine yourself. Sometimes we keep them shut. Sometimes they're shut for a season, for whatever reason. But God knows. And sometimes you might go through a season that you just have to be shut up. But that doesn't mean that God's not going to roll back the windows of heaven. And that God's not going to do something. I see Mickey over there. I know Mickey's been sick for a long time in his body. And there's probably all kinds of things that went through his mind. But it's just a season that he's going through. It's just a season. Seasons come and they go. Seasons come and they go. Stand with me. I know I've overspoke already. I didn't even. I, I just, it is what it is. But God's good, isn't he? If it wouldn't have been for men like him, I don't know if I'd ever made it. Him and Brother Randy's been good to me. 
I know there's times they wanted to smack me upside the head a little bit and say, get with it. <laughs> 